0: Listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington, we are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Uh, we're going to finish up with our last installment of our following "Follow Me" series, and although we'll finish up with this particular series, um, that will always be the primary message of our church. Jesus says, "Come and follow me." Jesus is inviting you to follow him. Some of Christianity today leans so heavily into, well, I believe in God. Well, I also believe in Mercedes-Benz. That doesn't mean I have one. I believe in the moon. I've never been there. I also believe in the devil. That doesn't make us in a, an alliance. Believing in God is not the highest pinnacle of anything, to be really honest with you. In fact, the great danger is to believe in a God that you don't have a relationship with. Jesus is really inviting you to step into a relationship with him. I didn't even know that was possible until I was about 18 years old and walked into a church like ours and discovered, no, you can step through the veil and begin a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. It was shocking to me. I had gone to church for six years before that and learned nothing about that. This was a different, ch- this was like our church to, to discover that God actually knows me and will show up in my bedroom when I pray? Are you kidding me? Why would I not take advantage of that? And I had no idea where the journey would take me. And not everybody's journey takes them to being a pastor. And you could say, amen, thank God for that. But he does take us from glory to glory into great things in life so much better than you could ever plan, dream, or imagine on your own. And so today I wanna lean into this, uh, a really important topic In the journey of following, which impacts us all, I pray that God gives me the ability to communicate to you on a level at which of how important this is for your life and how your life has been affected by this particular topic. But in following Jesus, Jesus leads us to a place of freedom. One of my favorite verses coming out of Luke chapter 4 is where Jesus starts his ministry. And it's like the first chapter of the book It's the precursor to tell you what the book is about. And so Jesus steps up in front of his hometown, reads out of the, rolls his place to a scroll into the book of Isaiah, and he reads this passage of scripture that is hundreds of years, uh, written hundreds of years before he was ever born. And yet it was a verse about him. It was a verse about his ministry. In fact, as he reads it, as he gets through with it, he stands and he proclaims to people, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. Not its beginning, it's actually fulfilled. And what does he say there? Well, a number of things, but i boiled it down to what the focus of my message on freedom is. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's Jesus reading this. Because he's anointed me, part of what he's anointed me for is to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, right away, our mind shifts over to maybe larch and the remember hunting one year, my first year living here in the area, I've got guns and ammunition in my car and all of a sudden there's a prison and I'm thinking, oh Lord, I'm in big trouble. Some of you don't even know that there's a prison up on the east side of town, there is, up in, up in the woods. And uh, you think about prison, people actually in prison, but how many of you know that you could be in prison and not actually have like functioning bars, but you're still stuck in life, right? So Jesus was proclaiming freedom to prisoners, and he goes on to say, to set the oppressed free. When you look at the original uh, Greek words, that idea of prisoner is somebody who's been taken by, with weapons and forced into a boundary that they can't get out of. And the word oppressed means to constantly bash something and try to break it into pieces. And our lives have been impacted by both of these concepts, And I want to invite you, if you've not started a relationship with Jesus, to recognize how this has impacted your life with the promise that you can step into a new place that's unlimited because of what Jesus did. And if you are a believer, many steps into your journey to be very aware of the fact that there has been prison and oppression that has impacted our lives, and we want to make sure that we walk in freedom. Amen? We want to walk in freedom. And part of the job of the Spirit is gonna be regularly to show you where you're deceived, where you're bound, where you're limited, that God wants to set you free and help you to move beyond, amen? So let's pray. Hand over your heart. Father, I thank you so much today for your good people. I pray you help me to communicate your word. But Spirit of God, we know that you're here to deliver my words in a way that's tuned into the frequency of each person and supernaturally. Lord, you're able to have a conversation with them through what is spoken. I just pray, God, for people who are experiencing freedom. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that you died for. We don't wanna leave that on the table. We wanna enjoy freedom here on this earth. And Lord, it's more than just a country slogan. It is a personal revelation and something we can walk in. We're so thankful for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen and amen. High five the person next to you before you're seated and grab your Bible. Of course, you can uh, follow along uh, the notes uh, for our series. Uh, we always do this. Um, if you scan the QR code, you can get a whole copy of my notes. We recommend you do that so you can have a conversation later this week with your family, with your children. You're not sure how to, how to train your children up in biblical things, take the message from Sunday. Talk about how it applies to you. Don't let Sunday's message be. Just a sermon. Let it be the ongoing conversation that God is having with you and your family. How many of you ladies are excited about our up and coming Women's Conference? As a man, I'm excited. And I'm going to come and sign up to serve. Guys, you can sign up to serve. I'm sure if you see Pastor Rowena or the team, we'll be able to help out in some way, right? I know some of our guys are going to be musicians playing and some guys greeting outside. And maybe some of what's said will be valuable to you as well, right? Okay. I also want to congratulate Nuvia, who graduated from school this past week. And uh, I don't, Nuvia, what, what's like the official title of what you, you do now? I know you have your license and everything. It's it, it, Basically, I'm going to start going, I'm thinking about making a change with my hair, and uh, Nuvia is going to, if I show up next week and I've got a full head of hair, wouldn't that be cool? I had one of our teenagers this morning who thought I was in my 30s. Oh, I felt the Lord. It was great. If I, bring, if I show up with a full head of hair, I'll be like 15. Like One of our young adults said I was dressed like Justin Bieber, and another adult heard that and thought that she was making fun of me, and, but I took it as a compliment. I bust out a little rap here or something like that. Okay, anyways. Um Great group of people. Let me let me t- let me jump into the scripture. Okay, um, if you all you ever knew was prison, would you actually recognize that you're a prisoner? I mean, if you were limited in some way in your lifetime, incarcerated to a degree, would you even be aware of your situation? If there were boundaries drawn up around you, you were trained into limitations, would you understand that they're really even there? My dogs, as we train them, there's an imaginary line around our property that they do not cross, and they're doing really well, and as they get older, I promise you, they'll probably never venture across that unless we intentionally take them across. And that's a good thing for their safety and also the, the well-being of the relationship with my neighbors But what about negative things that happen to us, maybe as children or through our life experience, that uh, impose a, a deception upon us that we don't recognize to be untrue, and then it begins to limit us in how we function. It causes us to do some things that are not actually accurate, and maybe we think we're preserving ourselves when, in actuality, we're torturing ourselves and killing ourselves a little at a time. I was doing some recent studying uh, for this message, and I looked up the idea of training fleas. There was actually back in the old circuses, men traveled around, and they would have a, a, a flea circus. You know that you could take a jar and put fleas in a jar, and hopefully you've never had an encounter with fleas, but growing up as a kid, my parents had cats, and we had a flea infestation at one point in time, and a flea, I swear, could jump from this ground and jump and. Immediately spring up and land on the ceiling. They're incredible to watch them function. These little tiny, tiny bugs that are strong and fast. And you can actually put fleas in a jar. And if you take the jar and put a lid on it, as they jump, they will hit their heads on the lid. And after about an hour, it hurts their head and they decide to ratchet down a little bit. And they now only jump to just below the lid of the jar. And once that lid comes off, you would think, well, they'll jump out of the jar now. But not only will they never jump out of the jar, but any offspring born to these fleas will not jump out of the jar either. When you read the Old Testament and you read about God's people going to the land of Egypt during a a time of famine, when they first show up in Egypt, they are celebrated because their, their brother Joseph has become second in the land, and even though they're not Egyptian, because Joseph saved all of Egypt during the famine. They are giving a whole t- they're given a whole town next door called Goshen and they are the honored people, the friends of the Egyptians, but over a slow period of creeping for 430 years, you wake up one day and everyone in Egypt, though they live outside of Egypt these Israelites and they live in Goshen, every morning all the men get up and travel into the city to make bricks to build Python and Ramesses, all built by the Israelites, because over time, they were enslaved without even really realizing it. These are like indentured servants. They're not in prison bars. there's not chains around their ankles. It's just a lid has been lowered, and now they're jumping a little bit lower every day. And you know, when you study training elephants, which are much bigger than fleas, one of the interesting facts that you see about training elephants is they start when elephants are very young. And one of the keys is to separate a baby elephant from its parents really at the very beginning of everything. And and elephants are very familial. They They spend large portions of their life with their mothers, but separating that child now causes distress. And typically what they do is they put a collar and a drag chain around the ankle of an elephant and tie it to a stake that's able to handle the baby elephant. But after about six months... They say that the elephant no longer tests the chain, no longer tests the stake. And as it grows into a much larger animal, they just simply leave the, the, the anklet around their ankle and maybe a small portion of the drag chain, and the elephant goes wherever the trainer tells it because in its mind, it is now captivated. And You see this giant elephant weighing thousands of pounds obeying a man's voice when it could just run away and be free, and yet it has been enslaved, it's been imprisoned because a thing that's been put upon them that they are actually responding and believing. And so uh, a question that I would have for you as you consider this topic is, uh, or I think I'd have you uh, consider would be this idea that since birth, you have been continually handled by an expert ringmaster, Now, I know you don't realize this, and some of you, your theology is that, you know, God owns the universe, which he does, and he owns the earth, so everything that happens here is by his design. I want you to know that has nothing to do with scripture, because God, when he placed Adam and Eve on this earth, he gave them authority over the earth, kind of like if I gave you the keys to my car and said, hey, it's my car, but I'm letting you do whatever you want with it. And as you take off and you drive it around and you start wrecking into different people, then you turn around and somebody blames me because I own the car. When really you as the manager of the car that I own would be responsible for the damage created. Yet God gives Adam and Eve authority over the earth. And then when they submitted themselves to Satan, they actually gave him authority over the earth. That's why when you read the New Testament, he's referred to the prince of the power of the air the God of this world. Scripture goes on to teach us that we, without realizing it, we had bowed to the God of, small g, God of this world, talking about literally Satan. I don't know if you realize this, but while God is reigning supreme, when Jesus came to earth, he came to reestablish the authority given to Adam, to you and I, through his life, death, and resurrection. What we're experiencing in the world is, is a shadow of really what God has planned because Adam and Eve sent down the road their authority to the wicked one. And the thing you might not realize, but there are things that have happened to you since birth that are by design to oppress you and rob you of the good things that God originally intended. So many people experience extreme trauma in their young childhood years. And you look back and you think, how how and why did that happen? And God, how did you let that happen? But there's a whole different economy playing out here on the earth at times, especially like in my life as a family. I don't know of any generations in my family that ever served God until ultimately my mom and dad got saved. And that's when they gave their life to Jesus, God began to establish his kingdom in their lives. But prior to that, my family's generations were serving the God of this world without even realizing it. It's the reality. You know, I never used to worry a whole lot about the election for the state governors. I just always worried about the president. But I found out real quick during the lockdowns that the who is the ruling governor may matter more than who is president, Right? And so you might not be aware of who is governor. You might not be aware of who the ruler on this earth is, the prince of the power of the air, but your life has been radically impacted by an evil ringmaster, maybe without your knowledge. When you look at how he functions in the life of biblical people, you have to recognize that attack happening regularly in your life. His desire has been to oppress and imprison you. How do I know? Because when Jesus showed up, he showed up to announce, I've come to set you free and remove you from oppression. And he's talking to a crowd who might not even realize that they have either going on. Oh yeah, we've got some bad circumstances that happen, but that's just how life is, right? And in the people's minds, This is just all part of life with no real recognition that maybe they're chained up, maybe they're imprisoned. He's done this, the evil ringmaster, has done this from the shadows using the tools of deception, circumstance, and at times other people. But make no mistake, he has been the source because he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when you look in your own life and you want to be your own CSI, when you want to see the source of what has happened to you, if it's steal, kill, and destroy, it's not God. It's just not. And you have to recognize that hiding behind those events and those circumstances and those traumas and those things that, how, why did this happen, that there is an author and his desire is to smash you to pieces regularly and to imprison you. Out. What if you were to really consider how this has impacted your life? The fact that what I thought were just circumstances in the rearview mirror or crazy things that happened in my family tree. I used to, when I first met Rowena and, and I would spend times with my Christian friends, so many of them have multiple layers of generations of family who have served God. And like I already said, mine hasn't. So when I begin to describe my family tree and the things that have happened in my family... Since there's nobody who served God, the levels of insanity are way, way, way up there. And I used to think that we're just a bizarre crowd of people. And this uncle did that, and that, that cousin did that, and, the, the, you know, I could really, I, this is being recorded and it's being streamed. I won't get into all of the details, but there's some crazy stuff in our family past. And when you begin to consider this concept, you begin to understand there's a high level of work of the enemy to keep my family enslaved for generations. That there's this long game, there's this long play that for my life is radically broken as my parents experienced the kingdom of God and brought me to church and I experienced the kingdom of God. My kids are now, and grandkids are experiencing something completely different. Not that there's no attack. But there's not an ongoing attack because we're unaware of the fact that there's an attack happening. There are some people who walk through this life and they're getting barraged by everything that's happening, and in their mind it's well, this is, I guess this is just how life is. It's how life is without Jesus. It's how life is if you're living under the evil rule of a governor who's bent on separating you and keeping you to the minimalist version of yourself. But knowing that the heart of God is for me to rise up and be free and to thrive might be a brand new message that some of what I have submitted my life to are limitations that I no longer have to observe. And so you look at all of these scriptures that really point out that, that, that place where we were stuck, Romans 6.16, talks about us living our lives previously as obedient slaves. Well, I wasn't a slave. Uh, if you don't think so, then you really don't understand what you're trapped in. Again, for just a second, I know that this will feel like it's really diminishing of you. I don't mean it that way, but you really are a flea in the jar, You really are an elephant, glorious and magnificent, walking around within 12 square feet with a tiny tinfoil collar on your ankle, thinking you can't run like the wild, beautiful creation God intended you to be. That deception is keeping you from experiencing so many good things in life. But Jesus has come to illuminate that deception so that you can be free. Ephesians talks about us following that prince of the power of the air. Well, I wasn't following the devil. Listen, if you weren't following Jesus, you were. Well, I didn't get up and worship the devil. But when we don't submit our lives to God, there is only the alternative. It's just a reality. Um, Romans 7, 6 talks about being held captive. Well, I, I don't feel like I was captive. You were captive because whatever you submit to, you become its slave. Such a weird moment. I mean, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but when the snake, who was Satan, comes into the garden and talks with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had authority over the snake and could have told them, no, we're not doing that. Get back over there where you belong. And instead, they literally got on their knees and they handed their authority to something beneath them. I promise you that happens in nations all the time. There are nations that are overtaken by someone down here because sometimes leadership just caves or they're bought out. Uh, let me not get going on to politics because I will get stuck there right now. Okay, so let me move on. Some of you said amen, right? Amen. Okay, so look again at, at Jesus' words here. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Actually, when Jesus is reading this, he's talking to people who are prisoners Every week I'm talking to people who are still experiencing some sort of prison on some level, myself included. Part of following Jesus is finding the freedom to become the person he's designed me to be one step at a time, sometimes shedding the deception of maybe uh, my misunderstanding of who I am or who he is or what he's called me to do or stepping out on new levels of faith that he can actually do this. How many of you feel those constant invitation to grow and to extend yourself. That is you growing in the things of God, shedding that prison that's on your life to set the oppressed free. And then he rolls up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down and he said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I wish that I could just like right here as I proclaim this, and it would have been great if Jesus had done it. As he said, it, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing Be great to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden everybody can see the ways that they were imprisoned and just step out of them. But as we'll take a look in a second, that's not the experience Jesus had with this crowd at all. And part of the challenge of of our walk with Jesus is to have him illuminate for us the ways that our lives have been obliterated constantly impacted by the enemy's work and pounded us back so that we just stand in a small area or we believe things that aren't correct or we, are, we become bitter about something that God's not even involved with. And the revelation of that is part of the work of what God will do. So while it's amazing that freedom is available, there really is a struggle to step into freedom how many of you understand that when we read the book of Exodus and we watch the Jews, the Israelites leave Egypt, the whole departure process was a struggle. It was not only a struggle to get out of town, but once out of town, it was a struggle to keep going towards their land of promise and a struggle to keep people from going back to their slavery. What kind of people would go back to their slavery? That's dumb. Well, it's human nature. Sometimes The shackles that you know are more comfortable than the freedom that you don't know. That's a reality. And so I wanna challenge you to take a look at some of the struggles so that you can be postured so that as Jesus is trying to lead you personally into freedom, that you can step beyond the struggle so that you can experience what he has for you, okay? All right, struggle step number one is just the proclamation. It's weird to hear that you are a prisoner And what you're experiencing is actually something imposed on you that you don't need to walk in. Um, How does the conversation go with the fleas? Hey, uh, you know, the lid's gone because that's what Jesus was saying. The lid's gone. Come on, you can jump higher. No, we can't jump higher. Why not? Because I've never seen anything higher than this. This is all I know. This is my norm. This is my experience. And just the very... Just the very proposal that you are a prisoner affects different people in different ways. As we look at that entire thing, there are some who will know that they're in prison and will be thrilled to hear that they can get out of their prison and they will run right out of the cell. But I'll tell you, in my life experience, that's the minority of people. Some can't see that they're in a prison and some are actually embarrassed at the idea that for the last 20 years, this activity in my life has held me handcuffed. In fact, the suggestion that you're telling me I'm, I'm a prisoner, you're telling me that I'm bound to this little section, how dare you? Well, if you don't believe me, just look at how the people responded to Jesus. They become so triggered at the mention that he says that they're prisoners that the Bible says that they go after him to the edge of the cliff to throw Jesus off a cliff. I would say they're a little bit triggered. He doesn't say, Oh, I'm God. He doesn't, it's none of that. It's, I've come to set you free. We're not, we're not, we're not bound. I mean, it is an embarrassing thing to wake up one day and realize that you have a chain that's not withholding you, and yet you've been obeying this chain the last 20 years. There's all sorts of emotions that will go through you when you realize that there's a stronghold in your life, that there's something you believe that's not correct. How would the elephant feel? How does the flea feel? Well, as I already said, this crowd, they got triggered and they went after Jesus. Do you know that getting triggered, especially in, let me just lean in for a second here, If you don't get triggered sometimes in this place where you're at, if you don't get a little bit mad at me from time to time, it means one of two things. Either you're already so free that there's no issues, which would be awesome, okay, or I'm not preaching the Bible, because this is not entertainment. This is not so that you could feel better about you. Now, some of you, your prison is that you think you're worthless, and so you need some encouragement. But I'm gonna tell you, there's gonna be some moments where some things are gonna be preached that you're not going to like. You know why? Because you need to change. Jesus didn't just die so you could go to heaven. He died so you could live for his glory here on earth. And there are some things that are wrong that we do. And if we don't declare them, listen, I can look at you in the eye and I could say, David, you and I were in the will of God because we're bald, but these dudes with hair They're out of the will of God, okay? And if you have hair, you're gonna be highly offended at that, but David and I know scripture, and so we're good to go, right? You gotta just deal with that, okay? John's like, preach that, right? Listen, I don't, well, let let me say this correctly. I do care what shape you come in to this house, but regardless of what you're involved with, you are welcome here. However, that comes with a caveat. We're not dialing back on the scriptures so that you will feel good about your dysfunction. In order to be free, you need to know that you are enslaved. Otherwise, you will live in that 12 by 12 little hut for the rest of your life and think this is freedom when it's not. Somebody has to call out truth, and it's not always just going to be me. We've got great leaders who will do the same thing, and it's declared hopefully always in love, but it'll be declared. Yeah. And I've had to make a few phone calls from over the last 30 years and say, hey, listen, can, I, can we meet? Can I talk to you about X, Y, Z thing that you're doing? And there's been all sorts of different, a, range, uh, a, a wide array of responses And some people have been, oh, thank you so much for loving me. To, wow, I didn't even realize that I had that going on or I had that attitude. I am so sorry. I'm going to work on that. To, who the hell do you think you are? I didn't use the bad words. Well, I thought, because you called me pastor, I thought I was your pastor. And your pastor will champion your cause probably 90% of the time, but as any good parent, not that I'm your parent, but I have spiritual leadership over your life, it comes to that moment where you have to pull your kid and say, listen, you don't get a participation trophy today. Today's going to sting. You know why? Because I care about you and I love you and I'm going to proclaim the truth. So again, we, we'll have people walk into this church in all sorts of different circumstances and situations and we hug them and we love them and invite you into our home and be a, start, begin the process of life because here's, here's what I believe with all that's within me, that in this place and with these people you will actually meet this Jesus who is alive and living. And when you do, there will be something so attractive about him inside of each of us and in this room that you will realize that there's something better than the prison walls that I've been living within that some of these walls, I have fought for these walls. I have argued that these walls are good walls. These are my walls. Don't you tell me that my wall is wrong. This is my wall. And then you wake up and realize you have built your own prison by your choices. And so Jesus shows up and makes the proclamation. Now, for People who aren't believers, sometimes it's really easy to hear the proclamation. You're like, wow, I knew something was wrong. I've been living in deception. And so they run right out. But what's a little bit tougher sometimes, seasoned Christians. People who have been around the church for a long time, especially nominal churches. You know, the type of church, uh, none in this town and none in this city and none in this country. Um, But like churches that talk a lot about God, but nobody's ever experienced a miracle or hadn't answered prayer. I mean, seven days after the flu, after praying, 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 it's a miracle, I feel better now. That's the extent of the miracles that they know. They don't know anybody's been healed of cancer, don't know anybody's had the miraculous happen, not experienced that. So they're really, their whole life, their whole biblical experience has really happened in a very non-powerful little box. And then to step in and hear The proclamation of there is more, that God still heals today. You want to know how many people I've heard get triggered over that idea? Oh, God could get more glory out of me being sick than me being healed. Show me that in the Bible one time. Listen, you can suffer. If you're going to suffer, look at me. Suffer well. Glorify God in your suffering, but that's a place you travel through, not a destination. You believe God for freedom because Jesus said, I've come today to declare freedom to the one who is imprisoned, prison, to, to proclaim freedom to the one who's oppressed. Amen. God, may be, You may be able to glorify God when you're sick, but I'm going to tell you what, every one of the miracles in the New Testament, when they happen, the person got well. Yeah. Yeah. There is nobody that Jesus said to, hey, listen, I would heal you, but man, you are bringing me some sweet glory laying down on that map. Hmm. You, you laid out in the city square collecting alms, woo, singing your little Christian tune, praising God, that brings me so much glory, I'm not going to heal you. You just keep doing your thing. That's better than any type of healing. Show me that in the Bible. You won't find it because God is glorified when he doesn't comfort people in jail, Although that's valuable, and we need that sometimes, he's glorified when we break out of jail, amen? Yeah. When the prison doors swing wide. That's the gospel. So the first struggle is just to receive the proclamation. And that's critical. I've got one minute left. What? I heard that one person. Just go ahead. Thank you. Okay, how about this one? This, is, this can be a real challenge the struggle with the uh, proclaimer. You know, wouldn't it be great if Jesus just came down and hovered over you and Trisha, my daughter, esteemed in the house of God, lover of children, adults, old people, you, Trisha, there's an area of your life that I want to correct that's a little out of little out of balance. And if that's how Jesus always fixed our areas, wouldn't that be great? The privacy of our prayer time. I was just praying and the Lord showed me that I... That's about 1% of how you're going to hear the proclamation of needing freedom. 99% of the rest of the time, it's gonna show up through a person who has shoes on. And when it shows up through that person it's going to be really difficult to hear it come out of them because the shoes they have on might be tied, but not everything else is in order in their life. It's gonna come through a mom and dad who doesn't have it all together, a friend who doesn't have it all together, a pastor who doesn't have it all together, or someone in the church who doesn't have it all together. Who are you to tell me this? What gives you the right? Well, you know, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a a fellow believer and I care about you. One of the biggest Mistakes that the church has made through these last few years. I was talking with my friend again. I think I might have mentioned this a couple weeks ago. A friend, his wife is on the board of their church, and they've embraced this thing called theological hospitality. Now, we all know what hospitality is, when you make people feel welcome and warm and they have a great time. But theological hospitality is where I don't talk about the things that are going to not make you feel comfortable, and the problem with that is you just get celebrated and keep going in the same circle in the prison that you're in because it still is a prison that you've created. Because when we sin, the Bible says, we submit ourselves to the, to the wicked one. And God still loves us. And certainly Jesus died for our sin, but you're still stuck in the prison as long as you continue to do it. And so, thank God we don't practice theological hospitality. We practice hospitality. We love you. We're glad that you're here. But we preach the word, and you can be free. Right? Okay. And, you know, we don't get really excited about that. I mean, I will admit, you know, we have a, we have a it's not a shock collar, a vibration collar to train our dogs. And there's some moments where it's like, ha, <laughs> ha, you know, they're... I don't actually do it like that. There's just, there's a moment when you're like, yeah, oh, But that's not the heart of a parent. It's not a heart of somebody loves their dogs, at least not long-term. And the reality is really what you're after is the well-being of the one who you're speaking to. There's nothing more heartbreaking than watching someone make a decision that you can clearly see is going to destroy their reputation, their well-being, their future opportunities, and you don't want them to experience that, so you say, no. And this is, God's word says no, because you love them and you care about their future. And so I'll probably skip over uh, quite a bit of that, but here's a question for you. Are you teachable I mean, hopefully you come in like I do. I'll listen to my own message and I'll, I'll be like, okay, Lord, what do you wanna teach me? And it's a weird, it's very, very weird, but I'll listen to myself and our other speakers. My heart is always, God, there's something you want to say to me today. It's not, well, maybe God has something to say today. No, 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 God always has something to say to me today. And there's always a next step. And usually the next step requires some adjustment on my part, which might be stop doing this or stop going there or stop acting that way, stop having that attitude. Hey, what you think about that person is wrong, stop thinking that. And so that's part of discipleship. Stand with me and I'll finish uh, number three and our worship team will take over here in just a second. Uh, the third and final point that I wanted to make about the struggle into freedom is just literally the struggle to step out. You know, there's pretty, pretty amazing for God to be able to show you that there's an area where you lack freedom. Um, I've experienced this over and over. Some of the huge, very profound ways, things that I didn't realize that were really debilitating, you know, uh, a feeling like, like I, I don't, because I've moved so far away from family as even when I was younger, and I worked with students who all had, so many of them had great parents and I watched the interactions and how parents would help their kids. And I really felt like I didn't have anybody helping me. And so, so many times as I would address my situations and address my problems or my challenges. I felt like this, this single young guy, I was not single, I was in not married, but just I'm trying to navigate this and all the weight of my world is on my shoulders because I don't have my parents here to help me. And the revelation for me was one day, driving down the road, God spoke to me as plain as day, it was, set me free, I will be your father. And he wasn't saying, I'll just be your dad, I will be the one who helps you with every issue, you can call me every time. I didn't realize that, that I was carrying a weight, there is a prison in itself. And in the process, It's weighing me down and he pulled that off and I was able to step out of the box. And certainly I call my parents from time to time and maybe share a struggle, but I'm not looking at them to solve my problem because I have a heavenly father who functions that way. Can you see, can you recognize when the enemy is taking ground when he's oppressing you, when he's beating you up? Can you see that it's him? Because in order to step out, you need to understand that, but then you need to take steps. There is no magic wand. Usually coming out of your jail, your prison, there's, there's a little bit of work for you to do in the process. You gotta believe the proclamation that you're in jail. You gotta listen to the proclaimer, but then you gotta step out. And it'd be great if it, everything just changes, but sometimes there's some work to open the prison door. You know, when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life as you study the scripture, he was still bound inside the prison or inside the burial tomb with grave clothes. And so Jesus gave the instruction, go and let him loose. Jesus did the miracle of bringing him back to life, but there was still some work on his part to do because of what had happened before had bound him up. And so there might be some work for you to do. There might be some places that you can no longer go because they trigger bad behavior. There might be some relationships that you need to lose a couple phone numbers because those relationships bring you back to imprisoning lifestyles. It might be um, some things you need to add in, some places you need to go, some new people you need to begin to hang around with because it will allow you to step into better environments. And that's not always easy. Some of it might be just as simple as learning to raise your hands during worship. You feel so bound. I don't wanna be one of those freaks. Well, I've seen you at the Seahawks game. You're going nuts for God's greatest team, right? And so, I mean, I know you don't worship the Seahawks, but let's get worship looking like something in your life. And you'll find there's such a download as you do that. God wants you to enjoy him. Enjoy the benefits of the freedom that he has for you. Amen? John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed. Okay. We're going to sing this last song. Let me tell you one more story. Is it okay? And you can take that. Go ahead and take this if you want, Raina. You did such a great job earlier. I know that you were just testing them with putting (laughs) the. She did exactly what I instructed her to do. So, so they're on you guys, right? I was in a meeting with pastors and about 20 of us, and we were sharing some details of what we were dealing with, and in that type of setting, guys were being very open, very vulnerable about what's going on in their life, and there's this younger pastor. He was one of the last ones who's planted a church in a big city here in the United States, and he's doing a great job. They've had so many people in their immediate neighborhood. They started the church in their garage, and so many people in their neighborhood have gotten saved in their families, and their church has turned into hundreds in the first couple of years, but as he was sharing, he began to share that this terror comes over him regularly. This terror that though I'm doing well and we're taking ground, that I'm gonna wake up one day and all these people are gonna leave us and this church is gonna be over. And the reason why he feels that way is because when he was a kid, his mom and dad planted a church and he loved his mom and dad and he loved the church and when they planted the church, it was going off great. And then who knows what it was, but something happened and there were some fights amongst people. And then there came the day where mom and dad closed the church down, got in their car and moved back home. And so that childhood circumstance sowed something so deeply in who he is that basically the enemy pushed in and plotted out some ground and got on the ground of his life, his confidence, his faith, and said, oh yeah, you're doing good now, but let me tell you, I'm coming for you. Some of you hear those voices. I was a bad kid, so when are my kids gonna start turning out like that? Or my kids are showing some signs, I deserve this. Who am I to correct my children after all the things that I've done? That's the enemy. That's the enemy. Ah, oh, the economy. I remember two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah! Oh. It's that enemy. It feels like he's mounting up and he's siege war. And before he ever even throws a punch, you and I get cowered down and we're. Uh, Jesus came so that you could be free, so that you can look at the attack. Get a little Holy Ghost attitude, grit your teeth, put your arm around your brother or your sister and say, Not today, Satan, not today. You begin to declare scripture over your circumstance, you begin to declare the promises of God over your life and say, this territory no longer belongs to you. Because when I submitted my life to the King of Kings, I belong to him and all ground of my life is now his as well. Be gone. Amen. Be gone. So many times Jesus set people free that were, the Bible says, oppressed by the devil. It wasn't just their sin. It's this oppression that this bad thing's going to happen that's nothing more than a lie of the devil. Sometimes you have to kick that off your property. you got to learn how to do that. I will fight for you today, but there comes a moment where you stand up and rise up and walk in your freedom, and it's not always easy, but we're going to learn to do it together. Amen? Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at C3SWWA.com for more information about our church.